Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Hi! Today is June the 4th, 2022. Yes, you heard that right. We are officially in the month of June. Don't ask me how it happened. This is the Media Boat Podcast. This is episode 334. If you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, it's your one-stop shop for news and thoughts about the newest entertainment releases, including movies, television, video games, and music, not necessarily in that order. Today, again, just like last week, it's just me, Matt, in the driver's seat this week. Mike will be back next week after his country-spanning trip that I'm sure we'll hear all about next time. So we'll have to wait for his thoughts over the last couple of weeks until next week. Get ready for a lot of thoughts coming down the pipe then. But for now, we have some news to get to, and maybe a thought or two for you as well from my noggin. So let's get right started. Started. Right started? Eh, I'm all over the place this morning. Coffee. Anyways, let's start, as always, with the music section, and we always start music with the weekend. Weekend. They did that last week, too. With the Billboard Hot 100, your singles chart. This week, As It Was by Harry Styles is back on top, besting number two, First Class by Jack Harlow, which enjoyed one week at the top spot. Number three, Wait For You by Future, featuring Drake and Thames. Number four, Late Night Talking by Harry Styles, an album cut getting the uh, top five treatment this week. And then rounding out your top five, About Damn Time by Lizzo. If you're on TikTok, I'm sure you're sick of this one already. Uh, In a minute, I'm going to need a cinnamon roll. Moving on to our Billboard 200, which is your albums chart this week. Speaking of Harry, he's at the top with Harry's House, your number one album this week. Moving down to number two, Un Verano Sinti by Bad Bunny. Number three, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar. Number four, I Never Liked You by Future. And rounding out your top five, debuting this week, American Heartbreak by Zach Bryan. Hey, Morgan Wallen's gone. What a concept. Let's move on to new releases, if you didn't like any of those. Here's some new releases for you next coming this coming Friday. We have Denim and Rhinestones by Carrie Underwood, Janky Star by Grace Ives, 40 Ounces to Fresno by Joyce Manor, LP8 by Kelly Lee Owens, and In Our Own Sweet Time by Vance Joy. Yeah, you were wondering what Vance Joy has been up to. That That's what. Let's move on to music news. Some weird ones this week, but uh, it was an eclectic week. What are you going to do? Our first story takes us to an 80s star getting a bit of a resurgence. Kate Bush, thanks to the power of Netflix's Stranger Things. So it's entirely possible that in the fifth decade of her career, Kate Bush is enjoying bigger global popularity than ever before, particularly here in the United States, thanks to the use of her 1985 classic Running Up That Hill as a pivotal plot device in the fourth season of Stranger Things. While the reclusive singer has long enjoyed superstar status in her native England, and has collaborated with artists from Prince to Peter Gabriel, and has written and recorded such well-known songs as Wuthering Heights, This Woman's Work, made famous covered in 1996 by artist Maxwell, and others, her highest chart placement on the Billboard Hot 100 was when 
Running Up That Hill peaked at number 30 back in November of 1985. Currently, though, in overall audio consumption, Running Up That Hill saw its biggest surge between Monday and Wednesday, per data from Luminate, jumping from 12,000 on-demand streams on Sunday to nearly 34,000 stream-equivalent songs on Wednesday. Compared to the previous week when the song logged plays in the hundreds of streams, it represented a jump of more than 8,000%. Airplay also saw a bump of nearly 330% as audience for the song excuse me, <coughs> went from 41,000 to over 422,000 in a week. Just goes to show you that even after we reported some stories about Netflix falling on some hard times, that doesn't mean that people aren't watching their shows. Stranger Things is and has been a big deal. So when they're going to use a drop, it's going to get airplay. And so a classic like this will come from nowhere to become everywhere all of a sudden. Of course, you know, this has its backlash as well. You have a lot of people... Um, you have a lot of people that are like, oh, well, these kids should already... Like, I can't believe these kids didn't know about Kate Bush. It's like, they're kids! How are they going to do the research? Like, they wouldn't have known about it. Uh, so, you know, be as it is, like, I think it's cool when songs like this uh, have, like, a little bit of a new generation... Uh, getting into them like like in moments like this it's kind of cool am i ever gonna watch your intro things no but it's cool for those of you who enjoy it and uh, good for kate bush let's move on to our second um story here bts well they're in the news again this week but not for reasons why you'd assume in fact, they're getting tangled up with one of the most notorious and ugh, disgusting men on news television. And that, of course, is Fox News' Tucker Carlson. Apparently, he's made an enemy out of BTS and the BTS Army after he spoke out against the K-pop group's May 31st appearance at the White House. The group addressed the press and spoke with President Joe Biden about Asian inclusion and representation to mark the final day of Asian American and Pacific Islanders Heritage Month. Quote, Things have gotten very bad for Joe Biden, both public-facing and internally, Carson told viewers of, these, of his eponymous Fox News show. What are they doing about it? Well, they broke glass in case of emergency and invited a Korean pop group to speak at the White House today. Hmm, I don't know. That take is kind of cynical, don't you think? Carlson, told, uh, Carlson threw to a clip of BTS member RM addressing press to the White House. Quote, hi, we're BTS, and it's a great honor to be invited to the White House today to discuss the important issues of Asian Amer anti-Asian American hate crimes, Asian inclusion, and diversity, the singer said. So obviously, Tucker Carlson is an idiot and a blowhard, and we know that already. But what he didn't anticipate is how powerful BTS ARMY is on social media. So yeah, no, he got eviscerated, as you probably guess. And um, those are powerful people to get on your bad side. So... I think if anything you learn from this experience is, one, don't bother with Tucker Carlson, and two, don't mess with the BTS army. They will wreck you. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, no thoughts this week. I would have thoughts, but I missed the two big releases yesterday. I did not listen to the new Angel Olsen record, Big Time, and I did not get to the Post Malone record, uh, 24 karat toothache, I believe is what that thing's called. Um, so we'll push those thoughts to the big thoughts episode next week. So uh, watch this space. 
Let's move on to our second section, which is video games. Sorry. Uh, we start video games, as always, with new releases. Upcoming this week, Spellforce 3 Reforced for the PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Xbox Series X. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2 The Sith Lords getting ported to the Switch. Pro Cycling Manager for the PC. Mario Strikers Battle League for the Switch. A demo is available as of yesterday on the Switch, so if you want to try that out for free. And then finally, The Quarry for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and PC. I believe The Quarry is an adventure, uh, visual adventure game similar to like an Until Dawn. All right, let's move on to our news stories this week. Big, big news week for video games. Two major events happened. We had a big Pokemon uh, trailer reveal for the upcoming Scarlet and Violet, and we had the Sony State of Play for the month of June. Uh, let's start with Pokemon. So, the new trailer for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet confirmed that the release date worldwide for the games will be November 18th, 2022. The trailer also showed new legendary Pokemon, Coridon, exclusive to Scarlet, and Miraodon, exclusive to Violet. They're kind of dragon-looking, and they have, like, things that appear to be, like, look like motorcycle wheels in their chests. Um, I'm not really sure what this is trying to evoke, but they seem like legendary Pokemon designs, and that's about what I expected these days. It has also been confirmed by the trailer, and this is what I think the most exciting part about this is. Up to four people can play co-op, and it seems like there's no limit to that. So finally, a co-op Pokemon adventure. That's very, very cool. Um, all the things that I noticed in the trailer is that it seems to confirm that there is the sneaking and catching uh, mechanic that was introduced in Pokemon Legends Arceus. However, battles appear to be the traditional uh, turn-based battle approach uh, from the older games, not the battle, uh, uh, the battle mechanic that we saw in Arceus. So kind of a best of both worlds strategy, but it's unclear how much the catching is the same. Uh, they didn't show a whole lot of footage of the catching. We also got to see the new Pokemon Professor. Z. It seems like there's going to be a Professor Per version in this game. Uh, you get an, a, um, a woman in uh, Scarlet and a man in Violet. The internet is already going crazy about how attractive they are. Like, hey, it's hot professor season. What are you gonna do? Hot professor summer? that a thing? We also saw a few new Pokemon. Uh, Pig Pokemon Lechonk, already a fan favorite. My favorite, Smoliv, a small olive. And um, a mouse, electric mouse Pokemon that's not Pikachu uh, that I'm forgetting the name of at the moment. But um, yeah, looked colorful. The graphics looked pretty good, especially interior cave locations. The lighting looked impressive. Um, we're getting close to having that open world um, version of what Pokemon new, new Pokemon Snap was able to do. Definitely an upgrade from both Sword and Shield and from Arceus, even from last year. So uh, as long as I get that frame rate nailed down, especially in co-op, I think we're looking at a real good looking game. Um, and really at this point, I have nothing negative to say about Scarlet and Violet. Oh yeah, the other thing the trailer revealed was what appears to be a rival, um, but it's unclear. 
it seems like they're really spending time with the character design and animation this time. I noticed, not in the Pokemon, but the actual trainers, I noticed a lot more detail work in the animation. It looked very smooth. So yeah, uh, Scarlet and Violet remain looking pretty cool, so looking forward to November for those games to come out. We'll definitely cover them here. Let's move on to our second uh, story of the week, which is, of course, Sony's PlayStation State of Play for this summer. I'm assuming it's going to be the big one we get, for better or for worse. It began with an announcement and confirmation of sorts for Resident Evil 4, uh, the next in the series of remakes that Capcom are doing in their Resident Evil uh, franchise. We already saw Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 over the last few years. We're finally getting a remake of Resident Evil 4. And if you thought that this wasn't going to be a full remake, this trailer has proven that that's exactly what they're doing. Brand new cutscenes, up-to-date uh, next-gen graphics, uh, looks like a slightly reworked plot. Um, and yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, it's everything you'd probably want out of a redo of Resident Evil 4, which is an absolute classic. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to maybe trying that out. I enjoyed what I played of Resident Evil 4 way, way, way back in the day. So um, I might see what they do with this remake. Uh, Resident Evil 4 wasn't the only Resident Evil announcement they had in the bag. They also said that there will be a PlayStation VR 2 version uh, port of uh, Resident Evil Village, last year's Resident Evil game. Or two years ago? I forget. Um, yeah, so just like Resident Evil 7 Biohazard before it, there will be a fully VR version of the game. So uh, look forward to seeing that really tall vampire lady right in your grill, which some people I'm sure will be very excited about. Outside of Resident Evil, there were not there were other zombies to be had as another VR2 game in development is The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners Retribution. Looks like a Walking Dead game. I don't know. First person are uh, VR zombies. I'm sure somebody's excited for that. Also, in the and then lastly, in the VR category, uh, I want to note that this is the first time Sony's actually announced VR2 games at all, so this was kind of a big deal if you're looking forward to that thing. Uh, Horizon, the Horizon world, uh, is going to get a uh, spinoff in the VR uh, called Call of the Mountain. This looks like a side story to Aloy's adventure. It uh, looks like a male protagonist is who you're playing as, and it looks like you're going to find out. He's going to find out a similar discovery that Aloy found out in the first game. Find out why these in, in, uh, machines are attacking them and what the origin of this world happens to be. Um, seems like a neat idea. Horizon combat in VR seems challenging, but it could be neat. Um, so yeah, that could be really cool. Spider-Man Remastered is confirmed to be coming to PC, getting a PC port. No word on Miles Morales, but at least we know the first game is going to have PC uh, support. That cat stealth game, Stray, finally got a confirmed release date coming in July. And even better, if you're going to sign up for the uh, deluxe or premium tiers of PlayStation Plus that are upcoming, you will get Stray included in those packages. So I'm very excited to get my hands on that. That cat is just so cute. I just want to play as that cute cat. Next up, the Callisto Protocol, a game by former Dead Space um, uh, developers, and looks very Dead Spacey, will be released by the end of this calendar year. 
Um, and yeah, it looks like Dead Space. It looks like a grittier, darker, gorier Dead Space. Uh, there was a lot of stomping and viscera and and gross alien bodies. So yeah, if you like that, then you get a one-two punch and a Callisto Protocol and the Dead Space remake from EA at the beginning of the next year. So hey, it's a good time to like uh, dark sci-fi shit. Next up, speaking of dark sci-fi shit, hey, you like roller skates and shooting people? Do I have a game for you? Roller Drome was announced, a little indie game that uh, seems to have a graphical style reminiscent of last year's, um, what's that game called? It's not too dissimilar from A Journey or um, the one with the Japanese breakfast uh, score, I flipping my i'm totally forgetting the name of that game it just came out last year anyways uh it looks like that kind of cell shaded uh graphical style and it looks like you get to do really cool like extreme sports roller coat like roller skate tricks while shooting dudes in the head it seems pretty rad so i'm excited to see more from roller drone next up was eternites we saw a trailer for that that is purported to be a uh crossover between action rpg and dating sim looks like you and a bunch of i guess teenagers i hope they're of age um are hanging out battling demons and also dating each other looks very anime so if that's up your alley it looked kind of neat we also saw the f first big meaty trailer of street fighter 6 uh which we'd only been teased earlier this year uh, now it looks like a video game. It looks like um, there's going to be an open world element to it. Uh, new designs for a lot of returning fighters, including Chun-Li. Uh, looks like there's going to be a hub world for even making fights happen. Uh, the graphic style looks pretty cool. It looks like a mix of like kind of the realism you see from like a, um, a, a Soul Calibur and... Uh, some of the flashy special effects that we're used to uh, following Street Fighter 4 and beyond. So, hey, I mean, I'll take it. It looks like a cool take on Street Fighter. It looks very fancy and showy and uh, looks fun. And I'm not even a Street Fighter guy. Uh, apparently after this, a lot of leaks uh, were found on the internet, including some de character designs for the yet unannounced fighters. So if you're curious on all that information is out there. So if you want to check out the new designs, go for it. We also had a confirmation that Tunic, a game that we talked about here on this podcast in its Xbox uh, and PC form, is getting a PlayStation port for PS4 and PS5 very, very soon. So hey, if you haven't tried Tunic yet, it'll be on your system of choice very soon. We also saw a trailer for an indie game called Season A Letter to the Future. Looks very cool and calm and gentle and, and, and I don't know, just cool vibes coming off of this thing it looks like you're this woman who's like spreading peace around this community her community and like it's really unclear what the actual game is here but it looks like it's got a very nice chill atmosphere and a cool story uh so yeah season and then um lastly they ended the show with the showstopper fantasy or final fantasy 16 we finally get to see a full trailer of that uh, full reveal here. It looks like a Final Fantasy game. I don't want to break anybody's bubble, but like, or blow anybody's mind with that, but it looks like what you'd expect. Looks like they're going to like a little bit more of the fantasy direction after kind of having a contemporary setting in 15. 
Um, this looks like a little bit more swords and sorcery going on. They made a big deal of emphasizing that the big demonic summons are back, like your Ifrits, um, your, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it looks okay. Uh, looks like the battle system is airing more towards real time, so those uh, active time battle uh, defenders are going to maybe be a little disappointed by how it looks like here looks very uh, like something similar to final fantasy 13 closer to it is to final fantasy 7 for example uh but yeah uh looks like a final fantasy game and it looks like we'll learn more pretty soon here uh, that looks like a real game which is not what i expected to go in into 2022 and that was state of play so no new news about god of war so we still remain on the bubble about whether that is a 2022 release or not uh, when I asked Mike about that, he's convinced that they'll do a separate event later this summer for God of War and specifically blow that out, give us a release date, and confirm that's for this year. I say wait and see. We will definitely wait and see on that one. All right, that's it for video game news. Just a real quick video game thought I have. I finally got to it. I finally got to playing Vampire Survivors which is a PC game that right now is available for like $3 on Steam and is included in PC Game Pass if you're a subscriber to that. And it is an addictive experience, let me tell you. So, real brief synopsis of Vampire Survivors. It is a top-down pixel art, um, kind of, I've heard it described as a reverse bullet hell. And what that means is, you are a character who is a Castlevania protagonist lookalike who's fighting a bunch of Castlevania lookalike enemies like bats, skeletons, vampires, etc. And your attacks automatically happen. They're like a passive buff in like an, in, in an arcade game or like an, an action game where you don't actually have to press a button to attack. The, the attacks are already happening. Depending on the character you're playing, that could be a whip that whips in a certain direction in front of you. It could be a magic wand that shoots a burst of energy in a certain direction. It could be a knife that goes straight towards the direction you're you're facing. It could be a fireball that splits into three that goes to a random enemy, etc., etc. But it's but so you're doing that and you're trying to destroy these enemies. But it's also a roguelike. So the more enemies that you destroy, the more gem experience gems you'll get. You'll pick up those gems and then you get, once you level up with those experience gems, you get a new item. And that could be a new weapon to attack more. It could be an upgrade to an existing weapon. For example, what if I threw two knives now? It could be a weapon that makes, or an item that makes you walk faster so you can escape enemies. And you will need to escape enemies because they will mob you. They're all over the map. You can move around the map. Some maps are bigger than others. Um, and... Sometimes you'll just encounter like a wall of dudes, like just like a wall of skeletons just envelops you and you won't know what to do and your attacks only go so fast because there's a cooldown for everything. But it's got that carrot on the stick vibe to it where you keep wanting to unlock new weapons to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Also, you'll encounter new stuff all the time. Like, you'll find, like, oh, what does this clover do? Oh, it increases my luck, which makes my loot better for the next next time I get a treasure chest, for example. Or, oh, I encountered this thing that sucks in all of the um, gems on the screen to, like, really boost my experience so I can level up super fast. Or 
It's a um, instant screen clear that just clears out all the enemies in my area, leaving all their gems for me to pick up. Stuff like that. It's a really arcadey, pure distillation of video game. And of course, when you end, you get to keep all, like a roguelite, you get to keep all the coins that you've been, uh, earned, but none of the items. So that way you can then power yourself up by upgrading and unlocking new characters so you can go on another run. Very addictive, very cheap. Um, one caveat, I heard recently that this may or may not be a blatant clone slash ripoff of an already existing game. And if that's true, that sucks, because obviously you never love to see an original creator get snubbed and the thing that copied them get popular. That being said, it's available on Microsoft's Game Pass on PC, so it has like it has a little bit more visual like visibility out there. So if I never encountered the first one, is it really my fault? I don't know. It's a gray area. It's a really weird place to talk about, but... The game Vampire Survivors that's on PC Game Pass and Steam, I can wholeheartedly recommend. It's a lot of game in a very small package, and um, it's a lot of fun. So if you just like the idea of chilling out listening to a podcast while a billion things just pop off your dude and you're destroying thousands of enemies, give Vampire Survivors a shot. All right, that's it for video games. Let's move to our second half of the show, and we start with television. And we always start television with the Sports Corner. We start the sports corner this week with a wrap-up on The Match, which of course is the annual golf celebrity uh, tournament that they play. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers won this year, so add another trophy to Tom Brady's trophy case. It's probably falling apart as we speak. We move on to the NBA Finals where we have our matchup at last. It's the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors in the finals so boston versus the california i don't know exactly where golden state is supposed to be based but whatever so yeah get ready for that meanwhile coco golf has advanced to the french open finals for both singles and doubles this weekend and i say congratulations for that name coco golf congratulations regardless of whether you win that's a good ass name Meanwhile, number one ranked Iga Swiatek won the French Open. That's women's. I believe that's the French Open of tennis, to be clear. Meanwhile, Rafael Nadal versus Casper Ruud will be in your men's finals on Sunday. Also, tennis. Harini Logan has won the Scripps National Spelling Bee after an overtime spell-off ruling where both contestants get 90 seconds to spell as many words correctly as possible. My understanding is this this is the first time this has ever happened in the Scripps National Spelling Bee, and it was wild. And I'm kind of sad that I missed that happening live. But uh, hey, if you got that, a moment to forever be remembered in Spelling Bee history. All right, with that uh, done in sports, in your sports uh, corner here, We can move on to our television stories proper. First up, we start in our recurring story about the Animation Guild. More and more animation um, studios are joining the guild and individual animators are realizing that this is the time to try to get a new deal. 
and you see a lot of the labor movement around the animation industry really getting to high gear. And it continues this week with some very high-profile new members. Production workers at The Simpsons, Family Guy, and American Dad have filed to join the Animation Guild, that would be IATSE Local 839, and began collective bargaining for their first union contract. Quote, Together they boast, wow, that was a weird crack, Together they boast more than 750 years of industry experience in animation, Whew. the Guild said. It's time they receive the benefits and improved work conditions they deserve. The move to unionize comes after a May 26 request by a supermajority of the workers to be voluntarily recognized. Workers in the bargaining units include the, star, the show's production managers, production supervisors, production coordinators, writer's assistants, production assistants, associate producers, office assistants, and IT supervisors. The show's animators are already covered by the Guild's contract. Now it has moved to the production's parent studio, 20th Television Animation, to review and voluntarily recognize voluntarily recognize the entire unit. So that means that not only will the animators who are already uh, in the guild and the writers who since 2000 have been members of the animators and the writers guild of America, specifically the Simpsons writers, uh, now is the people in the between those two departments. That's very exciting and I really hope the 20th uh, recognizes their union because hey, like I said, Nothing bad about unionizing your labor, uniting together, and bargaining for the best deals. And it's great to see such time, uh, time-honored traditions as the right as the Simpsons are getting in on it too. Let's move on to our second story here, which takes us to Disney Plus, where Star Wars Visions—that being the anime-style animated Star Wars collection of shorts that was on Disney Plus last year is coming back for a Volume 2. Volume 2 looks like it's scheduled for Spring 2023. The announcement video during the Star Wars celebration last week teased that creators from the United States, specifically California, Chile, the United Kingdom, Ireland, France, Spain, South Africa, India, South Korea, and Japan are all involved. James Waugh, the Senior Vice President for Franchise Content and Strategy at Lucasfilm, said, quote, I can guarantee everyone in this room that Star Wars and anime have a very bright future. Wall has asked the audience members if they were interested in more Star Wars anime, such as Star Wars Visions, and of course, they said yes. So, very exciting. Uh, if you enjoyed Star Wars Visions, I know Mike did. Uh, having more of it is certainly good news. All right, that will be that will do it for television news. No thoughts this week. Hold on to next week for those. We do have some cancellations and renewals to talk about. HBO Max is bringing back Our Flag Means Death for a second season. Slow Horses on Apple TV Plus will go through a fourth season. It got renewed for two more on top of its existing two. A Black Lady Sketch Show will get a fourth season on HBO. Is It Cake on Netflix continues to be maybe cake, maybe not for a second season. Then we have a few deaths to talk about. Bo Hopkins, age 84, actor from The Wild Bunch, American Graffiti, and Dynasty. Paul Vance, age 92, songwriter, wrote Catch a Falling Star, Itsy Bitsy Teeny Meeny Yellow Polka Dot Bikini, and Tracy. And lastly, Ann Turner Cook, age 95, an American author and model, was a Gerber baby. Eh, what do you know? All right, let's move on to the movie section. And we always start movies with the weekend box office numbers. Your number one movie debuting with... $160 million was, of course, Tom Cruise's Top Gun Maverick. 
you were seeing a movie this uh, summer, you probably saw Top Gun. Number two, Doctor Strange the Multiverse of Madness hanging on at $20 million, adding to a $375 million total. Bob's Burgers movie, hey, which I'll talk about in just a moment, debuted with a $14 million debut. I was at least uh, $55 of that. <laughs> Number four, Downton Abbey and New Era still, still, still on the top five. $7.4 million, that's at $29 million total. And rounding out your top five, The Bad Guys with $5.6 million, adding to its $82 million total. Your weekly Everything Everywhere All at Once. Watch another $3.2 million, putting it at 57 Upcoming this weekend, a couple of big releases for the 10th. We have Block Party, and we have Jurassic World Dominion. At long last, we get to find out what's happened to those dinosaurs in Jurassic World. Uh, the last one kind of left us on a cliffhanger. I really enjoyed that last one. I thought it was cool. A cool horror movie twist uh, for Jurassic Park, which is also always a franchise that has flirted with horror movie tropes. And I'm very interested in seeing what uh, Jurassic World Dominion has to offer. Yes, am I thrilled about having to watch Chris Pratt for an hour, two hours? No, I'm not. But Bryce Dallas Howard is there. All right, let's move on to our movie stories this week. We start with a little bit of a music crossover as we talk about Frank Ocean. The Grammy-winning singer and songwriter Frank Ocean is looking to write and direct his own feature film with A24. This would not be Frank Ocean's first foray to filmmaking, as he also wrote and directed Endless in 2016, which was a visible album released as a streaming exclusive on Apple Music. Frank Ocean has a strong history with A24, as he wrote the foreword for the screenplay book release of Barry Jenkins' Moonlight. Additionally, Ocean's music was heavily featured throughout Trey Edward Schultz's Waves, which was released earlier this year. The hope is to begin filming somewhere this fall and have production wrapped before the new year arrives. So excited to see more Frank Ocean anything. Like he's just such a mysterious guy. And when he does something, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's stealthy and it's, yeah, it's who knows what it's going to be. So we'll see, Frank Ocean, we will see. Next up, we move to the UK, where more than 100 actors and public figures in the UK have put their name to an open letter calling for better on-screen representation of older women to, keep fight, to help fight, quote, entrenched ageism of the entertainment industry. Among the signatories are Keely Hawes, Leslie Manville, Richard E. Grant, David Tennant, Zah Ashton, Mira Seal, and Juliet Stevenson. In the letter, the Acting Your Age campaign, or the AYAC, said women in the UK only have a shelf life on screen while their male colleagues have a whole life, these are in quotes, and calls for a parody pledge with equal representation in the UK between men and women over 45. The letter was penned as a stark refute to the recent Top Gun Maverick film not bringing back its original female co-stars and essentially replacing them with younger actors while keeping several of the older male actors. The, AYW, the AYAC lays out parody guidelines for men and women of 45 plus across film, TV, documentaries, celebrity news, and news pieces on women's physical slash mental health and violence against women, quote, and shouldn't have exclusive bias towards young women, unquote. I think this is a respectable position to take. I think ageism is a problem in entertainment. You hear a lot of actresses especially saying that it's much, much harder for them to get roles after even as young as 35, not even to say 45. 
So this movement that's happening in the UK is important. It's very important to see representation across the boundaries of age. If more older women uh, saw themselves in film, they would be more likely to get into acting themselves. And it's not like there's not stories about women over 45. There's so many stories about women over 45. Meryl Streep has made a career out of it, for God's sake. You have so many things you can talk about uh, when you get into the latter half of your of, of age. Latter half. I mean, not even... Like, that's not even sometimes the, the claim... Like, the case for people who live to, like, 100, right? Like, there are vital stories that we're probably looking over uh, that can be told about women and men in their older ages. So it's very exciting that they're taking a stand for this kind of thing because they're right. We should have older people represented more in the entertainment we consume. There's so much we could learn, honestly. Anyway, let's move on out of movie news and into one final thought for you. I did it. I saw the Bob's Burgers movie this weekend. I'm a long-term a longtime fan of the series. It's one of my favorite shows on TV consistently. It's one of the most consistent comedies in the last decade. The characters are so charming, the humor is so funny, and I just love everything about the vibe of Bob's Burgers. So, of course, I was there first weekend for the movie. Christy, a friend of the show, also a big fan, so we definitely had to get tickets to this. Uh, yeah, it's what you think it is. It is a big screen adaptation of Bob's Burgers in the best way possible. All of your favorite characters are here, all of your favorite jokes, all of your favorite references to stuff that happened in the TV shows. Even a secret that the TV show has kept close to the chest is revealed in this movie, which is enough for the price of admission, if you ask me. Um, one thing I've seen a lot of people worried about is, is it just an hour and a half long episode of the TV show? I don't think so. I think they do enough with the big event set pieces here in this film that it feels bigger than just an episode of the show. Uh, the stakes are really high here, and I mean that literally. <laughs> there are like some really harrowing things that you're, that the Belchers uh, get involved in here. So if you like Bob's Burgers, this is a no-brainer. Go see this movie. It's cute. It's charming. It's got songs. It's not a whole musical. There's only like three or four songs in it. But when the musical moments do happen, they're fun and the songs are catchy, as of course they are. A show known for having a catchy song at the end of every episode. Um, and yeah, there's even a plot twist I didn't see coming. I honestly think this is a more successful adaptation of a primetime animated show than The Simpsons movie back in 2007. Yes, I realize that was 15 years ago, uh, but they finally did it. And um, yeah, the Bob's Burgers movie is an absolute joy, and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, and hey, it's a traditionally uh, traditional 2D animated film in 2022. I didn't think we had those anymore, so the fact that they made one is mind-blowing. It's just bonkers. So please go see Bob's, the Bob's Burgers movie. You will have a good time. If you maybe don't like Bob's Burgers, this is, it's that. So maybe that's the only reason I wouldn't recommend this. But any other situation, it's a, so much fun. It's a fun time at the movie theaters. You will have a blast and you will laugh very hard. So go see the Bob's Burgers movies. That's it. That'll do it for movie thoughts. That'll do it for the movie section. And that will do it for this week's Media Boat podcast. Thank you for joining us in this quickie 40-minute episode. We will be back with a live, in-person, with Mike episode next week. 
uh, with plenty of thoughts to go around. So stay tuned. If you want a little brief preview, Mike has talked about, uh, given me uh, some uh, bullet points of what he's going to talk about next week. He has thoughts about the finale of This Is Us, The Flight Attendant, The End Game, uh, Senior Year, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Sing 2, American Underdog, The Lost City, Jackass 4.5, Top Gun Maverick, Lego Star Wars, Skywalker Saga, the video game, Horizon Forbidden West New Game Plus Mode, The Boys Season 3, I will have thoughts about uh, the new Angel Olsen record and the new Post Malone. So stick around next week. Big blowout thoughts show. So stay tuned. In the meantime, thank you for joining us. If you want to see the video versions of this podcast, we are on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search Media Boat Podcast to find our page. Like, subscribe, click the bell for notifications when we go live, like we will next Saturday morning. You can also find us on audio services where you can listen to us traditionally in, pod, in the traditional podcast manner. If you go to po- Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, um, iHeartRadio, Spotify, just search Media Boat Podcast and you will find our archive of shows. So look forward to that. You can also find us on social media channels like Twitter, where we're at Media Boat Cast. Facebook, search Media Boat Podcast and you can find our a page, comment there as well. And if you want to ask us questions, leave us comments, anything at all, feedback that you want to give to us, You can email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Stay tuned. Goodbye.